Good morning. For those of you that uh, don't know who I am, my name is John Landing, and I have been the intern at Kirby this summer, along with um, with Max and Halston. and And I just want to tell you up front, I really appreciate um, you as a church doing internships. I know that, especially as busy as Kirby is, it'd be very easy to. To, to write that off and say, well, we've got too much else going on, but I especially appreciate um, all the pastoral staff. And, and I didn't know that uh, as an intern, it would require going on a staff retreat to West Virginia and going rock climbing. And uh, I don't know if you know uh, a whole lot about me, uh, but if you know me well enough, you know that I'm just not a risk taker. And I told the guys on the way there, I said, fellas, I said, I enjoy looking at God's creation, man. I can look at, at the mountains and I can see uh, God there. I can look into the heavens and see God there. I can enjoy God's creation, but it doesn't mean that I've got to go climbing it. And, uh, and so I just, but I, like I say, I, I'm just really appreciative to you as a church and uh, to our pastors just pouring into us. And, and I think if the other interns were up here, they'd, they'd say the same thing. Well, as we begin this morning, I wanted to share with you two stories. The first story is about a guy named Gerald Turner. Some of you may know that name or know him. Gerald uh, was a senior at Bible college when I first went to Nashville and I go to the Free Will Baptist Bible College there, and, and he was a, a very strong leader. I mean, he, there was no doubting that he loved God. You never question that. He, he loved God with all of his heart. He loved people, and you could just tell that he was ready to go and, and win souls for Jesus Christ. And he finally got to the place where he was about to get married, graduate, and, and things were just looking good for him. Well, he... He accepted a job uh, as a youth pastor in Tupelo, Mississippi, and he had been married three months. Ministry was going great. He was graduated from Bible college. Everything went well. And then at a Thanksgiving football game, his family was sharing together. Gerald fell to the ground, and he died. It was ruled out later that it was an enlarged heart. And for the life of me, when, when I heard that, I'm thinking Gerald had the potential to reach millions of people for Jesus Christ. I mean, everything was looking great and he dies. I'll be honest, I question, I mean, God, why? Why, why would you... Why'd you let that happen? Second story is about a guy named Zach Yoho. It's two years later. Zach came in as a freshman uh, while I was at Bible College. I'd already been there a few years. And uh, Zach, man, he was a musician and he just wanted to glorify God with his voice and with everything that was within him. He was about my age. Gerald was too. And one day after class, his roommate walked into their dorm room to uh, get a few things for the rest of the day. 
And Zach was laying on the floor in a pool of blood. He was a diabetic, and at least this time, diabetes got the best of him. He died. 19 years old, going out to win the world for Christ, and he died. And my question is, why? Why would God let that happen? Why would God let things that, that don't make sense to us, why would he just, why would he do that? What's the point? A couple of minutes ago, Don read from the book of Psalms, and probably for you, the book of Psalms is one of, if not your favorite book. And the book of Psalms was written by, mostly by a man by the name of David. David's an interesting guy. He was a lot like you, and he's a lot like me in many ways. Uh, he was not very flashy, and by the world standards, no one really thought he'd amount to anything. He, he was the run of his family. <laughs> I mean, he was the smallest of all the kids. He was the black sheep, you know, however you want to define David. And it didn't look like he's going to amount to much. And, and he was, at heart, he was a shepherd. He was a little shepherd boy. And I don't know if you know a whole lot about shepherds, but... Shepherds watch after sheep, and it's not a very interesting job. Uh, pretty much, you just sit out there all day and watch the sheep. And if something comes their way, then you try to defend them, and you keep them all together so they don't get lost. And sheep are the dumbest animals on the planet. And I'll tell you why. For defensive purposes, if, if a sheep knows that it's about to be attacked, if a sheep knows that there's danger around... You would think that the right thing to do would be in the op run in the opposite direction of danger. I mean, that would seem pretty appropriate. But a sheep doesn't do that. If a wolf, for example, comes up to a sheep and he's hungry and the sheep knows that he's in danger, the sheep will actually begin to run around in circles and he will keep running around until he is so exhausted that he falls to the ground and then there is the wolf's dinner right before him. That's why sheep need a shepherd. <laughs> They're dumb animals and left to themselves, they'd wander all over the place and always be in danger. And so he wasn't a very interesting guy. I mean, there was nothing really about him to make you think that he was going to amount to much. But God had other plans for him. As a matter of fact, he ended up becoming the greatest king that Israel had ever seen. And the Bible tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. And if you cannot find yourself in the Psalms, you didn't read it very well. Because there are times when David is sitting there in tears, he's depressed, lonely, scared. But then there's other times you can almost flip the page and the next psalm will be one of praise and thanksgiving and man, David's just on top of the world. And that's, that's a lot of like what, what our days are like. David knew just what it was like to have things happen to him that he didn't understand. And there would be questions in his mind and and life really just didn't seem to make sense. He didn't understand why God would you let bad things happen to me. 
But in Psalm 131, I think he gives us a pretty good lead as to how to deal with those situations. When, when things in life just don't make sense, I mean, what, what do you do? Psalm 131 is a very small psalm. It's very tempting just to read right through it and go on to the next one, it's so short. But let's look at it together. It's Psalm 131, we're just gonna read this short, brief psalm of David. He's praying to God right now and listen at his prayer. He says, my heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters too great or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Would you pray with me? God, there's things going on even in my life. I don't understand what you're doing. And I would imagine it's the case for many people in this room. So God, I, help, I ask that you just help us to understand from your word what the proper response for us should be. In Jesus' name, amen. I think we first must notice that uh, we dare not let these questions drive us away from God. I'd like you to look at what he says again at verse one. Something's gone on in David's life. He doesn't have all the answers. He doesn't understand. And he says, my heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. What does it mean, <laughs> my heart is not proud? My eyes are not haughty. Well, you know, a prideful person is a person that thinks that they're all that in a bag of chips. I mean, they think they got it all together. And, uh, and, and for the most part, they think they've got all the answers. I mean, they have life figured out and, you know, God, for whatever reason, he doesn't make sense to them, so they rule out that he's not worth listening to anyways. It's a heart that's proud and, and eyes that are haughty, they even have the appearance that they're proud. I mean, they, they just look like they've got it all together you know that they think they're all that. Over the course of the summer, us interns had to read several books for our internship, and the last book we read was titled The Unchurched Next Door. It's about a guy named, uh, or is by a guy named Tom Rayner, and pretty much the course of the book is very interesting if you ever get a chance to read it because it basically is a bunch of people that got together as Christians and they said, we're gonna go around and ask totally unchurched people, unsaved people, we wanna know what they think about Christianity. And it gives a lot of insights for us as Christians to reach out to the lost world. And one of the most interesting interviews I read, 
was about a guy named Leonard, totally unsaved, totally unchurched, denies everything about the Christian faith. And the interviewers asked him this question. They said, Leonard, what do you think of Jesus Christ? That's all I asked. I'd like to read for you Leonard's response. And I'm reading word for word how he answered this. Leonard said, I can't believe anybody believes that myth. It's easier to believe in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus together than believing the myth of Jesus. Look at the world around you. Look at the violence and the hate. Look what happened on 9-11. Look at the wars and the poverty. Look at the mess we're in. If Jesus was who some people think he is, he seems to have screwed up royally. He sure couldn't get things right here on earth. What a bunch of garbage. That is a perfect example of a heart that's proud and eyes that are haughty. You see, Leonard's problem is all of the questions of life, all of the things that he doesn't understand has drove him away from God. Doesn't believe any of it. And for the past few weeks, we've been talking about all the answers we've got. And you know this, if you've been here, our series has been on evolution and seeing the flaws in it and how the Bible stands amongst the intense, immense scrutiny and all of the problems of evolution. And we've got all these answers. And, and yes, we, I believe wholeheartedly the Bible stands and it always has and it always will when it comes to something like evolution. But what about when we have those times in our life when we simply don't have all the answers? When we don't understand what God is doing, what do we do? Well, David said, my heart is not proud, oh Lord. My eyes are not haughty, I do not concern myself with great matters are things too wonderful for me. David, he had questions, yes, and, and he had things that he didn't understand, but he didn't dwell on those questions to the point where it just totally turned him away. How do you get to that point where when problems arise in your life and you simply <laughs> don't concern yourself with them? Well, I think we also must notice that we've got to trust in the Lord. Look, look what David says there in verse two. He says, but I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. I don't know about you, but I've never mothered a child. And as far as I know, I never will. And, uh, and I'm sure for those of you who are mothers, you may understand that language of a weaned child. It's, it's a child that uh, no longer has to depend on its mother's milk and, you know, it's kind of defending for itself now and, and that type of thing. But my mother's here this morning and she will know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, as a kid, 
the safest place in the world for me. At this time, I was, you know, four or five years old, a little bit more grown up, and, and the safest place in the whole world was sitting next to my mother in a lazy boy chair that we had in our old house. Now, I, I, think, I think if I remember right, Lazy Boy Incorporated, they're headquartered in Monroe, I think, or at least they've got a big old shop down there. And man, I really appreciate those guys because they, they have kept me comfortable for years. And, uh, and man, when I was a kid, I couldn't think of anywhere else I'd wanna be than sitting next to my mother in that chair. I was safe, man. I was just so content and didn't have a care in the world because I was right there by my mother. And David said, all of these questions are coming up. I don't understand what God's doing. But I've stilled and quieted my soul. I'm safe. I'm, I'm like a wean child with its mother. I know that God is there and he's with me and I don't understand all that's going on. I don't understand why he's allowing all of this stuff to happen in my life, but I'm content because my life is in God's hands. But still, I mean, how do you get to that point where when, when times come up in your life, when situations happen, I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? when you don't understand all that's going on? Well, the answer's found in verse three, to trust in the Lord. Look again at verse three. It says, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. You remember when Hurricane Katrina came out you know, all of the problems that went on there. Um, it was a mess in New Orleans. Some big-name Christian guys came out, and they tried to explain why Hurricane Katrina happened. And, and these aren't people from other religions. Keep in mind, this, this is, these are Christian guys explaining why Hurricane Katrina hit the city of New Orleans and killed 30,000-plus people. And one of them said, well... The reason that God let that happen, the reason that that went on is because God was punishing the people of New Orleans for all of their sins. Now, I'm thinking, if that really is the case, then why didn't God send a hurricane to Nashville? Why didn't he destroy Detroit? For that matter, why didn't he just do away with the whole world? <laughs> And then some of them said, no, it can't be that. I'll tell you what it was. God couldn't control the storm. That's the logical answer. I mean, God couldn't control the storm. Otherwise, he would have prevented it from hitting the city. You know, my friends, I think sometimes the best answer that Christians have is simply, we don't know. And I'd like you to look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. And, and you don't have to flip there. It'll be up on the screen, uh, hopefully in a moment. But Deuteronomy 29, 29. It's an interesting verse. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words 
of this law. For whatever reason, whether it's the Hurricane Katrinas that come through or whatever the case might be, I think sometimes the best answer we've got is simply we don't know. The secret things belong to God. We don't understand. He hasn't revealed it to us, but what he has revealed to us, well, we're going to hold to that. He decided not to show us, not to tell us. And in response to the (laughs) God not controlling the storm, some men said of Jesus, the disciples even, that even the winds and the waves obey him. And whether it's the Hurricane Katrina's on the earth or whether it's the storms that come up in your life, he can control them. So, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe recently you've experienced heartache in in whatever situation, whether it's physically or maybe one of your loved ones died or maybe there's some type of issue in your life and you scratch your head and you go, God, why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen to me? May I just say, Put your hope in the Lord. We're not always going to understand everything that's going on in our lives. But trust Him. And the classic way I can think of that many people use is, let's just say right now that someone walked up to you and they slit you open with a knife. Now, what do you think about that? Walked right up to you and just cut you open with a knife. Well, I don't know about you, I'd be hurting probably. I mean, let's just say in a situation, someone comes up and they just slit you open. Well, you'd think it'd be terrible. (laughs) Well, it depends on who it is. What if it's your doctor and he cuts you open and without open heart surgery, you die? Or you say, well, that's different. Well, I think sometimes we get so caught up in getting cut open that we forget that it's God who's holding the scalpel. We get so caught up in the things that we don't understand that it it causes us to lose our focus on God. My friends, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and eyes closed? Perhaps you're in a place right now where you don't understand all that God's doing.
life doesn't seem to make sense. Why would God let this happen to me? There's nothing wrong with the question. But what matters is what we eventually do with our questions. And the answer is very simple, that you just put them in God's hands. Trust in Him. And Don's going to begin playing softly and, and leading a song of invitation. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you say, you know, John, that's me. I've got stuff in my life. I don't understand what God's doing, but I just need to reaffirm my trust. I need to say, look, God, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand why you're letting this happen, but I trust you. Or perhaps there's, there's some other need in your life. Maybe as you're sitting there today, you came an unbeliever, a non-Christian, and you just want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's some other need, and, and you just want to deal with God. I encourage you that as Don plays and sings this wonderful song, would you just slip out of your seats quietly and come up to the front and someone will pray with you if you want or if you just want to talk to God alone that's okay just bow before an altar deal with God if God has spoken to you when peace like a river a Oh, the joy of this one. 
thought that my sins not impart but the says another that in another place be careful for nothing in other words don't carry around excess baggage let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God will rule in your heart as you make it known cast it as you give it to him speaking to you. You just want to come and pray. Issues and things in life going on. And maybe that safe place is a little hard to find.
He sent his family from England to America to start a new life in the new country. Halfway across the Atlantic, a tremendous storm came. Many lives were lost, including his entire family, washed out to sea. As he came to the States to do what had to be done for funeral enclosure and that kind of thing, he asked the captain of the ship, when they get about to the place where longitudinally and latitudinally you think that it happened, would you just let me know? And the captain did. The story is that Spatterford went out on the bow of the ship and there between he and his God wrote, it is well with my soul. What a tremendous song. John's right, man, there are sometimes storms blow and we don't have a clue why. But hope in the Lord. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Can we just sing the first verse? I don't know if you got it on the screen. If you don't, that's fine. Let's sing the first in the chorus. Maybe today, if you don't feel led to come to the altar prayer, maybe you just pray for your family. You pray for the needs of those you love there as you, where you stand. Let's sing one verse in a chorus. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like
time, one more time, one more time. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. And in you, O God, I place my trust. Do not let me be put to shame. this week, church. You're dismissed.